At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, a little bit of a change-up here. we got to finish out our look at these divisions before the trade deadline, or at least do two of the remaining three, because we got the mock trade deadline that we're going to be recording tomorrow if all goes according to plan that will be part one of that will be out tomorrow night so we got to set the stage here for that exercise and let's start with one of the teams that uh, for the second straight year although last year they ended up not really doing that much at the deadline figures to be at the center of a lot of this uh, the rebuilding atlanta hawks the reason Atlanta could be at the center of a lot of things is that they have a combination of players that are of interest and of value to other teams that are not of use particularly to them in this, you know, obviously Jeremy Lynn and Deadman and all those guys can help. I'm not saying they can't, but they can be of more value on another team. But also because those guys are expiring contracts, which either allows the Hawks to move them in different ways or even as a vessel for taking on multi-season money, and then they could get an asset for that. And also because they have Ken Bazemore, who, you know, is dealing with an injury right now, but when he's back can absolutely help a team. Yeah, and so uh, there are a couple of conceptions, a couple of things that they're going to be dealing with here really the trade of a guy like lynn a guy like deadman your high-end backup even low-end starter type of player who's on an expiring contract those trades for first round picks do not appear to exist any longer and so how do you get up to first round value well you need to take on salary that goes past this season again there is expiring money this year but Really, you would think that teams are going to be trying to get off of bad money in 2020 as well. And so maybe that's how you can get up to a first round pick. And then you also help a team compete for this season. So you might also say we'll give you both Lynn and Deadman. Maybe even it would take both of those guys and taking back another 20 million or so for next year. The price of taking on salary seems to have gone down a little bit since uh, the last couple of years. We used to say it was about 20 million in bad money for one first round pick, but we've seen really that that has gone down to some degree. The the last trade of this ilk that happened was early in the season. George Hill, a kind of a useful player, whether you like Hill, Lynn, or the Lynn Dedman combination, is probably eye of the beholder. And then taking on the bad money of Del Vadova and Henson, which is about a combined 20 million for next year, that netted a first round pick for the Cavs but it was many years out and it's also protected in such a way that if Giannis Antetokounmpo leaves maybe the Cavs never even see it and it ends up being second rounders so all that said there's no reason for the Hawks to hold on to these guys other than maybe just you know winning a few more games this year which isn't as disastrous as it used to be but you know they're probably the worst they're going to finish is fifth you would imagine uh 
so yeah i mean i i think that's the conception who are the partners though who might be willing to do that that is a really big problem for them now that milwaukee is out of the running because a lot of the teams that are most concerned about 2019 space either are not as interested in guys for this year like the knicks are a good example here yeah the knicks would love to move courtney lee or tim hardaway jr especially but they're they're not gonna see jeremy lynn and Dwayne dedman as assets Portland has a bunch of bad money. They are actually potentially an interesting team depending on how they're feeling about Myers Leonard. Evan Turner is probably too important to them to to move in this. And they also don't really have a use for Deadman with Collins and Nurkic pretty well established there. But they're a possibility. Yeah, there has been talk that they might be willing to get in the derby on a giving up their first round pick this recent run of bad luck for new orleans is does not help the hawks you know if new orleans were more into it then maybe they would be more willing to give up their first rounder you know now that's kind of in question a little bit uh with them randall being out miritich is going to be out for some time now ad is out as well here's an interesting one i don't think they're allowed to reacquire lynn but brooklyn you know they need a little bit of reinforcements now with dinwiddie being out for three to six weeks with this thumb ligament issue and they have alan crab a negative contract so maybe there would be a way to kind of maneuver something involving those two teams but i believe you would need a third if lynn's money were to be involved but they could do it other ways yeah and so you also get into now the idea of kent Bazemore, where maybe you get to that pick by not really materially worsening your salary situation for next year you know, the prototype trade there would be Bazemore for brandon knight and a first rounder from houston that would be one where you take on a guy who's you know Bazemore is bad money but he can still play he could still help a good team whereas knight just can't uh and so Bazemore could be redirected there that's that's one of those ones where it'd be more of a lower end first round pick we talked about how in the Houston section how the haggling over the protection on that deal uh Chris Haynes talked about how Bazemore was uh he termed him the most likely guy to get moved I don't know if I agree with that but certainly uh, there's a lot of smoke around him one thing I wanted to throw out there while we're kind of talking about Hawks moves is the possibility with Washington I mean they're in a weird place because of John Wall being out but they're still in the playoff mix in the Eastern Conference and there is an argument to be made that Jeremy Lin and Dwayne Dedman would make a huge difference in terms of shoring up their depth and if they take on Jan Mahimi's awful awful contract then Washington's math gets a lot better another another situation where haggling on protection could end up being really important but maybe you get into a circumstance where Grunfeld is so optimistic about them next year the Wizards maybe they underprotect the pick for for the 2020 draft and then that could be an advantage for Travis Schlenk to get in and remember the Hawks are playing the long game here not only do they have a really young team but they have two first round picks in the 2019 draft assuming Dallas doesn't get their pick in the top five so I yeah. think that could and be they've a got uh two Cleveland second rounders coming because it sure seems unlikely that Cleveland's gonna be outside the top 10 these next two years yeah that that does seem unlikely as well so Atlanta could go in that direction where that would be a game if I were Travis Link that I would play with them like oh you know we will protect it you know I don't know one to ten or even lottery protected for this year but if we're you're going to do that then throw out something like top two or something for for 2020 that would be a game I would play with Ernie Grunfeld because I don't I think he yeah. might play first you, you, yeah you are, I, I mean you're not going to get top two I mean I think if there is a pick that it might we might not ever see a pick that's not at least top four protected traded ever again 
Well, at I, least I in a, at least in a future draft, like Houston yeah. traded away their unprotected first, but everybody and their mother knew that they were going to be a really good team that same year. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess that would be it, right? That's more than one year out might be a way to look at it. I mean, we're seeing Memphis now getting completely screwed there again. Although, of course, fair to note that we never remember the ones where it's not much protection and it ends up just conveying and being the number 19 pick or something. Um, there's also been talk that Torian Prince could be someone that they would look at at moving um he was not drafted by this regime he's kind of been in and out of starting came off that sprained ankle for a while he's been looking very thirsty when i've seen him in terms of taking a ton of shots so maybe they're not like unbelievably enamored of him as the three of the future and there's another team that might be interested so i think you could see something there where again one of these cash strap teams that says hey this guy could really help us you know maybe philly identifies him as someone who's not going to be that expensive going forward won't hurt their cap space too much this season and so might be willing to give up a first for prince i mean but that's all that's really kind of challenge trade eye of the beholder type of stuff you don't see moves like that happen too often actually i think one of the last ones that did happen actually involved the hawks trading for a guy like that who's tim hardaway and gave up a first rounder to get him which ended up being uh you know not a great move i would say so there's a a lot of that is just eye of the beholder scouting but i think teams kind of like the obvious trades i don't think they like those sort of challenge trades because you know prince could go either way he could end up being a really valuable starter he could end up kind of washing out and being a backup you know i don't think we know about him at this point in time but especially i mean schlake has been with atlanta now for a little while but those types of trades can get gms in hot water like why did you trade this guy he's so good whereas if you keep them and they end up not being great it's like hey we didn't draft the guy we gave him a chance to succeed so i'm slightly distracted i just got a new chair and so the cat's trying to like figure out where he can get comfortable on my lap uh, as i'm talking and still allow me to actually reach uh, the keyboard and the mouse something else that i'd be interested in the hawks doing right now you talked about the harder way trade would be the opposite of the tory and prince deal of acquiring somebody you know maybe not a full second draft kind of situation but acquiring a player instead of a first round pick who's just talented and young and maybe hasn't had an opportunity to prove themselves they don't really have somebody singled out for that but atlanta considering their long timetable here i'm not maybe like even frank nokina if for whatever reason the knicks are lower on him you know just somebody in that of that ilk where there's potential there they haven't the team hasn't all the way you know soured on them but they but there is some talent that could be unlocked i think atlanta would be a logical team to make a trade like that because they can offer playing time yeah i think so you know it actually that cleveland pick might be an interesting one there because it gives the other team like a little like pr win sort of like that nerland's noel trade from philly to dallas where yeah it's almost certainly not going to convey as a first rounder and it's a couple of seconds and you know that that might be interesting i mean nilakina could maybe play some backup point guard behind trey young after this year try to help him out play alongside him perhaps as you know if he develops of course which he he may not but i don't see them under any circumstances moving a future first rounder in that sort of a transaction but maybe there's a chance uh, that they might identify someone in more of a, a second draft or maybe maybe just this summer they're the team that just takes him on you know i, I think that sort of player to me is probably more likely to be available this summer uh, but that, that is an interesting thought um i don't have a ton more uh, on these guys i mean i guess probably what we should say is you just you take whatever offer you can get ultimately they don't have a ton of internal leverage because these guys are gonna be gone at the end of the year 
in theory i mean although they did trade for lynn to begin with which didn't make a ton of sense it seemed like at the time but if they get something for him, maybe we'll end up eating our words on that one but maybe there's external leverage maybe because these guys are one of the most logical sellers and actually have decent veterans that could help a playoff team that maybe they can get teams into a bidding war and, and get a little bit more than the return that we're talking about, or at least, you know, allow them to haggle over the protections and the years of the picks and stuff like that a little bit more easily. So who's the most likely hot to get traded at the deadline? Oh man. You know, last year, of course, they were in this situation and Ilyasova and Bellinelli, neither of those guys ended up getting traded and they ended up getting bought out. I think Lynn and Deadman to me are better than those guys were in stature at least at this point in time you know obviously those guys played really well in Philly but at the time of the trade so I want to say probably Deadman because they seem to really value Lynn if they don't get any other backup point guard I mean it's just it'll, it'll be Jalen Adams who actually hasn't looked awful but you know they don't I don't know that they really want to go into like that type of tank point I think they've gotten some pretty good feelings about playing respectable basketball over the last month or and a half or so so i think lynn is slightly less likely to be moved to me than deadman so I, i'll probably go deadman but obviously those two vince carter's another guy who you know you could see just being a throw in one of these deals i'm gonna go with deadman for an even more basic reason that's that he makes less money so it's just easier for right. a trade to happen yeah i should have mentioned that if i didn't all right, lots more. Yeah, go, go ahead. No, 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 no. That's I, I, I jumped, I jumped over your transition. So let's just do that. Okay. Well, lots more to get to here, but I've also got a lot to say about him. Sixty-six percent of men start losing their hair by age thirty-five, and I was among those when I was twenty-five. I remember there was uh, this photo that was taken of me as I was starting law school. Actually, I was probably 24 at that point, kind of think of it. And I was like, wow, my hair is like actually starting to recede on my temples. Uh, my dad, uh, I don't even remember him having hair. So I, I knew that I, there was definitely uh, a risk for baldness for me. And so I, I started taking finasteride at that time. But it was really a pain for me then. You know, I It was really expensive. I had to go into the doctor's office and... and get it renewed constantly and i'd forget to do that or just didn't have time to go in for something like that and so generally though i've managed to keep it up and i've kept my hair pretty well over what's now been 15 years gulp since i first noticed i was losing my hair and so i i would encourage you if you're starting to lose your hair as well to give it a shot i was a little bit kind of felt a little weird at first about doing this ad it's kind of a personal thing to talk about but then i realized like i told all my friends that they should use finasteride and so why shouldn't i tell my listeners as well it's something that i was doing on my own before i even was introduced to hymns and the beauty of hymns is that they've made it much easier now if you go to forhims.com you answer a few quick questions and a doctor will review and can prescribe you i did that process and yeah it really does only take a, a few minutes they ship the products directly to your door no more waiting rooms, no more awkward doctor visits uh, as well. Right now, my listeners can get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today while supplies last. See their website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So go to 4 slash cap space. Easy remember slash cap space. We talk about all the time on the program. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash cap space. Let them know what that slash cap space URL that you came from us. Let's turn now to the Miami Heat. And I think much of what we will see for them both now but also going forward because they have a lot of money committed for next year as well it is 
determined by their tax situation. Yeah. So Miami, they're about 6.2 million over the tax line. And presumably as a fringe playoff team, Mickey Harrison and company would prefer to be under it if possible. It might not be just with the amount of obligations that they have on their books. Wayne Ellington would clearly be the most logical, but there are other ways of doing it. Part of the complication here is that Miami already owes that unprotected 2021 first and four of their next five second round picks in other obligations. So it's more about another team liking what Miami has rather than them basically bribing another team from taking it. I will note that theoretically, Miami could trade their 2019 first unprotected without violating the Sepian rule because it's, you know, you can't be without it in consecutive years. But that would be a lot for where they are right now. And then Miami's books are still- and, And they could not trade it protected. Correct. They couldn't trade it unless the protection sh- shot all the way to 2023, which would actually be pretty amazing. But <laughs> the uh, but what is worth keeping an eye on with Miami? Yeah, and, and by the way, real quick, just to, just to be clear on that, uh, I know some listeners know this, but because you can't have be without a first round pick in consecutive drafts or have that possibility, you might say, hey, 2021, they trade 2019, they're good. But yeah, if you protect it and then it has to roll over to 2020 to something then that's other no than good. seconds yeah i mean you can yeah roll yeah so, so you could yeah you could do it where you protect it in a second oh yeah but, but they don't have any seconds imagine. so that's that or they have one but yeah, yeah. So, that, so that's a problem so again it is going to be more about what another team liking miami's guys that could be wayne ellington it could also be riding magruder we've heard a little a, a few rumors about him magruder obviously does not make enough money to get miami out of the tax but it could help their math and theoretically maybe they could move some salary but the other thing we have to mention with miami is that their books don't get particularly clean until 2020 so maybe they just ride out this storm a little bit and and see where things are then because it's too early i would say to really think about doing something with their multi-year guys meaning like their 2021 expirings like olenic Dion waiters and james johnson i think that's just too much of a sticker shock right now for teams kind of like we talked about with kevin love back in this in the central preview yeah they do have all these guys with player options that uh, i think they might opt into hassan whiteside 27 million tyler johnson 19 million maybe goran dragic we'll see how he comes back from that knee surgery towards the end of the year i mean that return it will presumably happen at some point he was having a rough year but probably in part due to the knee issue so maybe if he does well, he, he could opt out, uh, try to get in uh, on that point guard market. There are a lot of guys there. But nonetheless, I mean, they're, and, but if they lose him, they would be trying to replace him, probably try to re-sign him, even you, you might think. So yeah, they're going to be in tax hell. The reason I think Magruder, though, is you're like, hey, why would you get rid of this guy? He's on a cheap contract, low cap hold. They might just think, hey, you know what? We're just not be able to re-sign this guy. And Justice Winslow has emerged, and we've got all these other wings uh, as well. Ellington is another guy. He's more complicated. Well, actually, let's finish up here with Magruder. What's it going to take to get Magruder if you're running the Miami Heat? Barry Jackson noted that he could potentially be moved. He suggested it might be more in the range of second round compensation. That seems way too low for me personally. Um, So what do you think? What type of compensation are you looking for there if you're Miami? I'd be looking for a late first or a second again to player a, a player of some note you know not a a, a high-end guy but maybe somebody who's on a cheap contract for a team control for another couple of years and you could take a flyer on maybe heat culture could really help them something of that mold the problem is Miami already has a lot of guys under contract and everything else like that but yeah I agree with you like if it's just you know a decent but not amazing second round pick I like Magruder a lot I think that he could be a good player there's also no guarantee that he's going to get some amazing offer in restricted free agency so maybe you just 
play the game and get him for cheaper than you expected and then just figure everything else out from there yeah restricted free agency is always to your advantage i mean you're taking a risk maybe he just gets an offer that's so lucrative that you feel you can't match it maybe there are opportunities to move some of these guys maybe you just stretch tyler johnson if you want to or you know there's a lot of things that you can do in the summer so just punting on magruder now unless it's like really compelling return doesn't make a ton of sense to me and maybe you end up getting him back on one of those value contracts when we've seen a lot of guys go for way less than they should i mean like Montrez harold for example six million dollars a year these guys who were productive but also just kind of have the stigma of being undrafted or second rounders and have a the low cap holds you know they're not at the top of the restricted free agent totem pole so yeah it would take a first rounder for me to want to part with magruder i mean i think he's not amazing you know he's a little light in the shorts to guard opposing threes but flash more pick and roll ability this year he's been a quality shooter and he's uh, he's got enough two-way ability that i think he's really valuable there's a lot of teams that really could use him maybe they're enough that he gets some big offer in restricted free agency but to me second round compensation isn't even close you know i'd rather just have the chance of resigning him on a good deal or whatever it ends up being uh but you know first rounder uh, could be more interesting so let's jump to wayne ellington ellington makes 6.3 million incidentally almost the exact amount that miami is over the tax line right now ellington is not playing for the miami heat but the problem is guys making 6.3 million are hard to move without taking salary back in return there are some franchises with exceptions that could fit him in and with ellington he was you know a very big force last year i mean as a guy coming off screens you know just a catch and shoot just dynamo yeah. and 227 three-pointers last year for wayne ellington so there could be a team that is interested in him. And I mean, in some ways, since they're not playing him, I like Wayne Ellington. I, I wish he played more. That that would kind of be Miami's best case scenario. It would clean up a lot of stuff with them. And maybe they could even make it work where if they took on somebody else, they could maybe, maybe they make a Magruder trade in that circumstance. And then that, you know, they kind of offset and then they still stay under the tax. So I think for, for Ellington, it wouldn't necessarily be about like pairing him with an asset or something else. It would be more just hoping that somebody is just really interested in him. Unlike a lot of teams in this situation, other than Ellington, who again, can block a trade, seems pretty unlikely to me that they'll be able to just dump him Sacramento. I don't think he really helps them very much. They got a lot of good shooting guards already and good shooting shooting guards uh, already. You know, OKC could use him, but Terrence Ferguson has emerged. They have the trade exception, but that would lead to a massive increase in their tax bill unless they could get off some more. I mean, we, we went through when we first heard that he might be available in trade uh, some scenarios uh, with maybe a three-way trade with Sacramento there. But outside of Ellington, there really isn't a great option for these guys in terms of reducing salary for this year or next year. They do have all of their cash available which is a rarity for them. They haven't made any tax clearing trades yet, but I'm really not sure, you know, even someone like Derek Jones Jr., Udonis Haslam, they're not going to trade him. Wade, of course, they're not going to trade him. So your, your logical guys are all expensive and go for a long time who are kind of out of the rotation right now. So I, you know, Kelly Olenek is another one of those guys. So I don't really see a great path to even using that cash as a sweetener to reduce the tax bill like we've seen with some other teams houston uh most obvious among them unless you have something else we should discuss i think we can go to most likely player to be traded and i'm gonna take magruder just because the pathways are clearer with him and we've already heard some reporting on that but it easily could be ellington 
Yeah, Ellington, his agent, did go to the Heat. And I don't know if he requested a trade, but he talked about his role at least. So I'll I'll go with Ellington. I just think guys like, like Magruder just don't get traded. I mean, we just haven't. I think they should more often. You know, at 27, I think it would make sense for the Heat to kind of cash him in for a future asset. And a team like Philly, I think, you know, could really use someone like Magruder. I think that would be quite a symbiotic trade there. But it, again, it just doesn't seem like these kind of trades happen teams just are not aggressive enough to go get the guy and maybe he gets overvalued a little bit by his team so i will go with ellington even though he can block a trade but if i had to guess i would say that these guys don't do anything as the most likely outcome let's turn to the washington wizards another team who's very much into the tax and another team that is quote-unquote fighting for the playoffs at the moment i've written about the wizard situation a couple times we've talked about it of course on the show they are 5.5 million over the tax line for this year they have they're projected to be over it next year it depends on who resigns and some of those things but they it looks like they will be over barrings the unforeseen they have a bunch of trade exceptions you know 5 million and below we don't expect them to use them because that would require taking on more money which i don't expect them to do washington also owes their 20 19 through 2022 second round picks on as a part of a series of different deals over the last little while and i think one of them is from an older trade so that makes it harder for them i you know considering the stuff that that ted leonsis said i think it was two weeks ago about like they're not going to tank that makes me think that the wizards will interpret where they are right now as a reason to either buy or to me more likely not sell i think that would be a pretty big mistake considering the kind of like what is the upside here you know like yeah if you make it to the playoffs it's going to be as a lower seed you know six seven eight probably more in the seven eight range and a bunch of their guys are unrestricted free agents who they don't really have the capacity to re-sign so if it were if i were grunfeld i would be thinking about you know moving trevor reason moving markeith morris who is injured but you could still theoretically find a team that's interested in having his bird rights praying that there's a way to like get get rid of dwight or doing like that kind of a move and then i would be going in that direction you know i'd even as, as good of a season he's having try to find a taker for jeff green he can contribute to another team team that's more competitive and i'd be taught listening on auto porter and all that kind of stuff i do not expect Ernie grenfeld to do any of those things no, I mean, it's in, they're still right in the mix, uh, as good a chance of any of those four teams uh, of making the playoffs, uh, Miami, Charlotte, and Detroit, the other three. They'd love, I think, to just reduce the tax bill, you know, by, say, just finding a taker for a Sam Decker, you know, making $2.7 million, been in the rotation a little bit, but hasn't really made an impact. In terms of cash, they can still spend $4.7 million, so... I mean, they they could straight up pay Decker's remaining salary very easily. There are teams that, that have trade exceptions. The Kings could just take him on. I think the ship's probably sailed on Decker at this point. I mean, we, he's a guy whose potential we've liked a lot as a stretch four type of option, but just has never quite been able to put it together these last couple of years. He had one good year with Houston and then uh, got traded and hasn't produced the last couple of years. Had some injury issues as well. So that might be one thing that we see i mean dwight howard who uh may have already opted into his player option uh by the way you remember when we were like oh why why on earth 
if you're the Wizards, would you just have not paid him the minimum and like just made Brooklyn pay the whole uh, his whole salary and then get him for the minimum like most of these buyouts happen? Well, the reason is because then they couldn't have given him the player option for five million the next year, which I think was what sold him on coming there. We both were highly critical of that decision nonetheless well here's one other thing if let's say they had gotten him for the minimum washington would only be 1.7 million over the tax and moving sam decker would be enough to get them all the way under yeah yeah it's uh i mean and to me i don't was anyone even offering howard more than the minimum at that point as a buyout candidate so anyway that's uh water under the bridge at the moment we should talk though just about them in a larger sense to me it seems like the name you hear most often with them is Otto porter there's been talk that the jazz are interested there's been talk that the kings are interested they were the ones who were supposedly going to put down an offer sheet for porter before instead it ended up being brooklyn that got them into this mess to begin with porter do he's making 26 million this year 27 next year player option for 28.5 the year after that just in general for washington i mean i think we agree that he's not great salary but what are you looking for in exchange there are you willing to go pure expiring contracts are you willing to it seems like you would at least want to get someone back who could play a little bit even if he's on an expiring contract you know maybe like if you'd send him to the kings you could get him on shumpert back or something like that you know and uh maybe some uh, maybe like casa kufos and just guys who could at least slightly contribute to your team this year you don't want just absolute flotsam but i mean to me that's kind of what it's gonna have to be i mean positive value back for him seems nearly impossible i agree with you if it were me that that's the way that i would be seeing it i mean i have my misgivings with porter and i wonder you know he's shooting 38 percent from three this year that is more in line with his current career averages than the 44 percent about he shot the last two years so i i'm not saying he's like a 38 percent shooter necessarily but if it's more like 40 41 that's pretty different than 44 with the volume he shoots so we'll keep an eye on that my instinct is that grenfeld sees him as a positive asset the guy who signed him to that contract thinks that he's worth it after this season no that 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 can't be right even then i mean like like he wouldn't they wouldn't be talking about trading him if he were a positive asset i I mean i know i know that they have been delusional for a long time but that would that would really surprise me that would really surprise me if they think like oh this is a good contract i think even when well not necessarily a good contract but a slight can be a slight positive is still a positive well i I think they even acknowledged it was a bad contract when they matched i think they felt like hey you know we just finished this game seven in the eastern conference semifinals run and like we can't lose this guy so we just have to grit our teeth at and pay him i think they acknowledged it was bad even then and obviously you know he hasn't really improved uh, at all so th- that's it's gotten worse now but so, but anyway that that's semantic yeah but, but he uh, made he makes 55 million over the following two years not counting this year with a player option on that last year and expiring salary would be a way i mean that would clean up washington books washington's books significantly maybe they can get some sort of a flyer on a young player you know like for example in that deal with the kings maybe you get like scal and say hey sure we can give him some minutes you know the 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 kings could say hey look we you know this is he's an important part of our future even though he's not a part of our present at all and they can you know each team can kind of sell that a little bit and those sorts of those sorts of things as like kind of semi-sweeteners could could certainly be in there but yeah i think with porter he's also the most likely to be moved i mean bradley beal 
is playing at an all-star level. He is going to be an all-star. John Wall is untradeable for a couple different reasons in the immediate. So yeah, if they're going to make a move, it's Otto Porter. Jan Mahini, I already talked about the possibility that they would try to use an asset to get off him as well. But that leads into the other challenge for Grunfeld at this trade deadline is the Porter and Mahinmi paths. Like you don't want to give up assets to dump Mahinmi if there's a chance that you're going to get salary relief from Otto Porter, whether it's now or in t- in the summer, because then that's just a waste of resources. Yeah, I mean, I think the assumption is going to be that they're just going to stretch Mahinmi. But again, if they could do, I mean, we saw them do this type of trade with Nicholson, which was <laughs> what was that four months after they signed him uh, to that deal. I think uh, it was a year and four months. No, no, no. It was that year. Oh, was it that? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you might be right. Yeah. No, Nicholson was out of the league a year after signing a deal that was over $20 million and he wasn't well, injured. Okay, so you can, you can correct because this is another funny Grunfeld thing. Did they amnesty Andre Blatch before his extension kicked in? Or was it like right, or was it like right I, around the same time? I don't recall. That was, that's long enough ago. I, I but I, I think I remember you telling me that before. It's possible. Um, well, I mean, at least that was an amnesty. It just hurts the owner's pocketbook and not the the salary cap. So yeah, Mahinmi. I think the point I was trying to make is they did that with Nicholson. They picked up Bogdanovich. They also were able to get an expiring contract and maybe they could try that again we talked about with the hawks you know maybe getting a a guy like baysmore or even deadman might be possible you could also maybe even see and we probably should have talked about this with the hawks briefly you know what if they traded mahin me for deadman and you know and maybe someone else to make the salaries match and plumley miles plumley so that then next year it's only 12 million instead of 15 and they throw in some kind of an asset there but again you know you mentioned their issue with the second round picks they don't have many assets like that but that could that could be another thing that they might try and do is uh just to get a guy who's just as bad as Mahimi, but maybe just makes a little bit less, something along those lines. You know, we've seen those sort of deck chair shuffling trades that are purely financial before. It'll never, it'll never match the Biombo for Mozgov trade. Although I, I guess you could say Charlotte won that one because Biombo is actually playing. But anyway, uh, I think that's about all I've got uh, on these guys. I mean, I, I, this is another team that I would probably predict wouldn't move, although, you know, there, it seems like there's a ton of deals that have like a 5% chance of happening on this team. Yeah, I, I think with them, a big swing factor is going to be what Sacramento values and how much they value it. Because if they really like Otto Porter, then there is absolutely an avenue to make a deal happen. But if there are other guys that they're interested or other uses for their cap space, there just aren't as many teams that are well situated right now. Maybe a team is sitting there July 15th or July 20th and feels differently about their 2019 cap space. But right now, I think it's a, it's a different situation. Yeah, I want to get back to a point that you led off with here, which is, yeah, okay, they might make the playoffs. They say that they're not going to tank. You know, that's always what an owner is going to say. But, and this is a year where with John Wall out, even if you really like your team, yeah, maybe they sneak into the playoffs and you can kind of feel good about that. Sneaking into the playoffs with 38 wins, even though your, uh, your max player was out for the year. But it does seem like they could take this opportunity to really reload just in terms of getting some lower level assets like second round picks or cleaning up the books for next year just a little bit. And. I mean, they have guys with value. You know, Ariza is one of those guys. Markeith Morris, if he can return from that neck injury, it could help a team. Sadoransky, I think, is someone that they want to keep around. Maybe they'll finally stop jacking around his minutes as well as he's played. By the way, I watched their game against 
San Antonio today and they did give up a buck 30 but it's clear to me that Sadoransky is just such an upgrade on what Wall was giving them defensively you know he's just a really smart help defender gives a lot of good effort so he's restricted he will have a a four million dollar qualifying offer or so a little bit less than that but uh you know he's another guy that maybe could help a team that they could have looked to to move Jeff Green so some of those deals with with these lower level guys maybe that uh, those could have restocked the cupboard just a little bit or at least help them save some money get out of the tax this year not you know, slow down the clock in the repeater tax like do something to help in the long term you know instead of letting them get into the playoffs and get swept immediately i mean it's you know with wall you could always maybe talk yourself into thinking you had a chance at an upset if you were one of those teams but without him i, I don't think you can do that but you know again that would take a lot looking beyond the end of their nose and that's something that this organization has not done uh being willing to take on any kind of short-term pain for a long-term game in quite some time i think that's a reasonable transition into the charlotte hornets considering they're <laughs> another another team that has had similar story they are 3.4 million below the tax they have a bunch of well sorry they have a big trade exception with from the dwight howard deal 7.8 million they could theoretically use some or all of that they also still have about that amount below the tax left of their mid-level and their biannual so charlotte could go if they wanted to add a little bit they could pretty easily they have all their own firsts and and no extras they have this weird thing with their seconds where they have a bunch of theirs gone but they have a bunch of them from other teams don't really need to go into that and so charlotte has the they have the capacity at least a little bit of a capacity to get better in the immediate i would imagine that that is actually their front office's priority and the same team that has not traded Kemba Walker that has that looks to intend to re-sign him it seems like that's going to stay the case so while there would be some I mean there would certainly be interest if they put him on the market Kemba has a pretty low cap hold and of course the team would have full bird rights we that ship is that ship has sailed not because they couldn't trade him now but because they did yeah and you made this point that with the all-star game being in charlotte and congratulations to him getting voted in as an all-star starter you were uh you were prescient on that when you uh, picked him there in your all-star picks i, I had beal as the that last guard starter in the east so he'll, he's going to get to start that at home now it's going to make it so much easier to either let him go during the summer if there's a completely exorbitant offer or obviously to have traded him before and now of course there's a just i mean they could lose every game between now and the trade deadline and there's i mean can you imagine if he had to come back starting the all-star game in another team's uniform in well or with another team's logo on his all-star uniform (laughs) in in charlotte i mean that would be that'd be pretty tough so so uh thanks a lot to the state of north carolina for passing that bill that meant that uh the all-star game got postponed and now there is no way they could trade Kemba Walker yeah and so Charlotte I mean they are a a deeper team this year I mean Tony Parker has been a big help to their second unit they previously had Jeremy Lin to fill that role but and and, you know they lost a lot of that depth when he and Courtney Lee both went to to different pastures Eh, greener is is a a point of contention but they have you know Miles Bridges is coming off their bench their deal when Cody Zeller comes back which you know is in process then they'll be able to go back to a more cogent center rotation so it's not like they're sitting there with this like catastrophic need and they have a little bit of spending power they could do that through a trade or through free agency whichever they're happy with but really i think the most compelling thing if kemba walker is not on the table is just how charlotte sees their other players because you know guys like michael kidd gilchrist marvin williams they have player options for next year 
Jeremy Lamb is a pending free agent, unrestricted. Kaminsky, you know, it's pretty much, you know, he's pretty much out of it. I wonder if another team would give up anything to get his restricted rights because of that big ass cap hold. But maybe they can, maybe they can do something on the margins there that isn't necessarily like a, a sell off, but can just restructure their talent a little bit. Yeah, this is one of those teams that if they were just playing a little bit better, then maybe you could see them decide to be more aggressive in the trade market. But, and they just, they are right on the cusp and or maybe if just the east were a little bit shittier maybe they wouldn't move kemba but they could at least maybe sell off so someone like lamb but to me they're just they're not good enough to go for it in any significant way here maybe you could see them do the try to get off of biombo who, who makes 17 million next year and a player option boy this is this is basically like the division of the voice isn't it i mean between miami washington charlotte but i i'll spare you guys i know some of you are listening with headphones in uh but yeah you have to imagine biombo was 17 million marvin williams was 15 million kill gilchrist 13 million all those guys are going to opt in but maybe you could trade biombo with some kind of an asset probably a first i would imagine i don't think monk and bridges are really their only young guys of consequence at this point there's talk that they're going to try and move kaminsky for big value that uh hasn't worked out and, and will not but that maybe that's the thought is then and then they try to get themselves out of tax hell a little bit more because remember if they re-sign kemba they're going to have big time tax concerns next year if they give them the max or, or anything close to it so they would have to get rid of biombo you could also see them just stretching Biombo if they re-sign Walker as well. But maybe they could get some reinforcements for this playoff run and be able to move Biombo at the same time. And But again, you just they're so limited and then what so you're gonna lottery protect that first then you're gonna lottery protect it again and now it's not really worth very much to these to whoever's receiving it so i mean it, it, i wouldn't want to do that deal if i'm on the other side of it necessarily because unless there's a guarantee i'm gonna eventually get the pick and charlotte has such a bleak future that you're not going to want to give up anything that's uh where you might give up a lottery pick. So I think you run into an impasse there. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough to see them do anything other than, you know, maybe taking on somebody with the MLE or the trade exception. Most likely guy to get traded on this team is a tough one. This is one of the tougher teams out there because there aren't really any kind of marginal type moves for them. I guess I'll say Kaminsky just because we've already heard that he might potentially be out there. They don't really have a point for him. So I'll go with him. Yeah, he comes to mind. And Biombo, those seem like the two. I will go with, I'll go with Biombo. Let's hope it's, it can happen somehow. It may, maybe it's possible. Uh, but yeah, there doesn't really seem to be, this could be a team that might be active on the buyout market. They still have some of their mid-level remaining. Only 3.7 million below the tax line as well, though. So that's a concern for them. Yeah, I'm not, I, I my most likely outcome though is, is nobody getting traded from them. Before we turn to Orlando, uh, I want to lament the distraction that is doing a read for Helix Sleep here at 10 p.m. after a full day of watching games and researching. I'm pretty exhausted, and now that I'm doing this read for my awesome Helix Sleep mattress, I'm starting to get a little tired. I'm going to have to rally after this read. I'm sort of thinking about my body just sinking in absolutely perfectly to my custom design mattress. I filled out their two-minute sleep quiz years ago, actually. They're one of the first sponsors we ever had. And we, we found them organically, liked the product so much, I actually DM'd their company Twitter account, and they came on the show. actually just got a Helix Sleep mattress that's getting delivered this week to my in-laws. 
so they live about an hour away so sometimes it makes sense to, to stay over there now my wife and i'll actually be comfortable they have this old mattress that they used to use that actually has like the indentations of their bodies from like 20 years of sleeping on it so we both have all kinds of back pain if you're i mean you know when your mattress isn't good if you're just not getting a good night's sleep you wake up with some back pain you're kind of stiff like sleeping is supposed to be restorative it's not supposed to cause more pain so get a mattress that, that fits for you and get a pillow that fits you as well the helix pillow is fully adjustable to achieve the perfect comfort regardless whether you're sleeping on your side or on your back or your stomach and you have to take my word for it you can get 100 nights to try out helix sleep go to helixsleep.com slash cap space easier no slash cap space we talk about it all the time in the program and you can get up to 125 dollars they have improved their deal even more in recent months up to 125 dollars towards your mattress order that's helixsleep.com slash cap space and let them know at that slash cap space url that you came from us orlando another one of these teams they lost today played well at houston in chris paul's return but went down to a james harden onslaught at the end Steve Clifford went to the Vucevic post-ups at the end of the game, which he really likes to go to, but the Rockets were ready for that with some good double teaming. The Magic went scoreless for a pretty key stretch as the Rockets pulled away late. So now Orlando, their playoff odds are pretty far down there. 7%, they are 20 and 30, 10 games under 500. Projected record of 33 and 49, which would put them five games behind that unbelievable Wizards, Heat, Pistons, Hornets group, which are all projected to finish at 38 and 44 right now. So the Magic do not have a realistic chance at the playoffs to even get to 38 wins. And remember, there are at least two teams in front of them for the eighth seed. They would have to go 18 and 14 the rest of the way, which isn't unbelievably impossible, but the way they've been playing and with their depth issues, it it seems unlikely. I mean, this is a team that if they were just a little bit closer, another one you could kind of see going for it to some degree, especially because they have such a clear weakness just one more ball handler you know a jeremy lynn type for example i think would just do wonders for this team because they just have nothing at backup point guard they have basically like one guy on this team who who's a solid pick and roll guy and that's augustine who's played really well and then at backup center too you know they could use maybe a better option instead of bomba i know they want him to play but you know he's not clearly not ready yet the numbers with he and and grant on the floor have been awful but i think they're just too far away do you agree with me on that i agree with you but i'm not sure their management will feel the same that's going to be worth keeping an eye on here because well, I, I, I do think they've done a good job of not jumping the gun so far the the well sure. group yeah but this is a different stage of it because they have to evaluate i mean the two most important guys to talk about with them in terms of trades yeah i mean it'd be fun if we had some discussions of all of their young guys who are divisive in many ways but vooch and terrence ross both having i would say good years by their standards vooch obviously outperforming his by a lot more both expiring contracts both full bird rights would have you know eh, i mean ross's ross will probably make less than his cap old vooch we'll have to see but there are a couple of conversations that need to happen here one is with both of those players to be like hey what are you thinking in terms of resigning like do we get a hometown discount all that kind of stuff also are you interested at all and then also what is the market you know what can they get for vooch because we talked about this when the the marcus soul openness 
reporting came down was that there just aren't that many teams that need a center. And sure, Vooch would be an awesome way to take on money for 2019-20 or maybe even beyond because he's a, a very good player that could really help a team, those sorts of trades. But I don't know that there's anybody who's really desperate to do that. And Orlando's flexibility is a little bit challenging for next year too. Yeah, it is. And I think the Magic are in a very similar situation with Vooch as the Hornets are with Walker, although probably not as extreme in terms of the contract that he's likely to command and the equity that he's built up with the franchise. We've talked about them maybe trying to extend Vooch when we did that pod a little bit ago, but he's probably thinking he's going to get more than any. I mean, he's going to make the all-star team this year. So regardless of what the market is for centers, you imagine that that's going to have some cachet. I think KP did an article on this years ago when we were talking about Lance Stevenson maybe making the all-star team. Thank God that never happened, by the way. Uh, but that just guys with similar production who make the all-star team versus don't get paid more. And so that may happen with Vooch. We talked about how they drafted Bamba. I mean, Bamba, you know, if Bamba were looking awesome, it'd be a lot easier to move on from Vooch, but hard to imagine that Bamba will be a better option than Vooch, you know, at any point in the next two or three years. You have to say the way Bamba has played and the way Vooch has played, even if you expect Bamba to improve and Vooch is having a career year. I am guessing they're probably going to just hold on to him. I mean, unless they lose like another, you know, they just get completely out of the playoff mix where they can't even delude themselves into it between now and the trade deadline, it seems like they probably end up holding on to him and trying to re-sign him with their full bird rights because it just doesn't seem like there's that much of a market for him. I mean, what, what teams do you think would be interested in him? I know Zach Lowe has thrown out the Lakers. I just don't see what assets the Lakers are going to give up with them trying to hoard for a potential ad trade or someone else trade and being unwilling to you know not really having i think they want to hold on to their first round picks too so i i'm not sure that vooch is the guy for them he's an okay fit with lebron but you know a lot of his value comes from being a floor raiser his playmaking so i don't really see the lakers as a great option there do you see any other teams that are like man we could really use this guy who'd be a huge upgrade for us as a starter as we make our playoff push no not really i mean he would help the wizards a lot so you could do that but again they're yeah. they're or, or the hornets for that matter i mean like sure. there are teams but neither of those teams are going to give up a, a first pick. i mean i guess you know I don't It'd know. be sad if, for whatever reason, that was that was the best Orlando could do was kind of like the deals we were talking before about with like Deadman Lynn or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, and remember, there's a very big difference between that sort of a price for him and let's say, I mean, it's a different thing, but like Rodney Magruder because they're restricted rights. Vooch could just leave. Like, I mean, he could see yeah. Bamba. He could just not be happy there. He could want to play. He could have any sort of other priority, and just and then you get absolutely nothing for him. I mean, one team that slightly comes to mind to me, well, I guess there's a couple. The Kings could be an interesting one. You know, all, Vooch Serbian, as is uh, Vlade Divac. The Kings could look to re-sign him. They would be happy, I think, uh, to overpay. The Kings, though, don't have their first rounder this year. So what are they going to send back? Are you going to send back a, a first rounder in 2021? Is that really going to move the needle for the Magic? What's the protection on that going to be? That seems difficult. Uh, you know, and the Kings are given a 3% chance to the playoffs uh, right now as well. You know, the Clippers, he could be an okay fit. I mean, they've gotten a lot out of Harrell, though. And again, the Clippers, you know, they're out 
a potential first rounder to boston this year if they do make the playoffs they may want to keep some flexibility for making trades with their future first rounders so uh, the spurs I mean, because really the teams you'd be looking at are kind of mid-tier playoff teams, but all those teams really have centers. You know, the Blazers have a solid center in Nurkic. He's going to be around for a while. Spurs have plenty in the middle. The Jazz obviously have Gobert in the East. You know, the Pacers lost just lost Oladipo, and you know, they've got two centers already. The Nets have Jared Allen. So I think the, the price is just going to be too high, especially if you think about, oh, we're trading an all-star, you know, which we're going to find out, I think, Thursday. So I, I don't think I don't think he gets moved. I really don't. Should we talk about Aaron Gordon at all? It's it's an interesting kind of question. Gordon signed that contract, which, you know, was people thought was it was a value. I, st- you know, it's still, you know, he hasn't really done anything, I would say, significant to hurt that. And it is descending. So this is actually the most lucrative year. It is three years and 54 million after this season. The idea behind moving Aaron Gordon, or we could theoretically talk about like somebody, John Isaac as well, is more duplication or that he's just not really the right timeline with them, even though Gordon is much younger than most players on their second contracts. So I, I think there's a chance, but they would have to be really blown away by an offer, and I don't expect to see that happening. Yeah, and Isaac looks good defensively, disappointing offensive output uh, again this year. I think if Isaac and Bamba looked a lot better and you could sell these moves as well you know we're yeah this might be some short-term pain but these guys are so good we got to clear out space for them to move Vooch and to move Gordon but I you know I don't know that we've seen that so another trade that we they've been talked about Chris Haynes said it last week on this show that they have some interest in Dennis Smith so now is the question is what are you going to offer for Dennis Smith would you I mean I think John Isaac probably has to be in that deal right there's nothing Either that, I, I don't know, maybe their first this year and filler would be enough to get it done. But yeah, so so let's look at it. If we assume that they're not going to make the playoffs, because remember the proximity to making the playoffs is really is really distracting from where the Magic are right now. They have, 538 has them with the sixth worst record projection. And they they already have 30 losses. That's the same as the Memphis Grizzlies. It is reasonable to expect, I mean, that could go either way, but that's a really strong pick. I mean, I like Dennis Smith a lot, but yeah, I would say that would be enough for Dennis Smith, if, if that's the question. I mean, the sixth best lottery odds, I, I don't know this class well enough to know how people feel about it, but yeah, I mean, that's I, a strong I would make that. I would make that trade as a magic again. We, we both have these issues of being higher on Smith than I think a lot of the league is. You know, you would top four protect that, obviously. I don't think Smith is going to help them win a ton of games this year. What about, and to be clear, I wasn't saying Isaac and that first for Smith. It's yeah. one or the other. Um, which would you value more if you were the magic Isaac or this year's first rounder? Again, it's difficult to say when we don't know the strength of the class. Uh, but you know, you can take into account that it's not considered to be particularly strong, I suppose. Well, so I think I would probably, as much as I've been intrigued by Isaac for year for years, would go probably go with the pick because the pathway for Isaac being a real impact player. You know, we talk a lot about the intense value of an of an all star or you know, like right. a blank desk player. He's you know, like the theory of him as a defensive player. It could still work at power forward at center, very limited offensively. You know, really your fifth option if he's starting and. And those players, you know, generally they can be good. They can be important parts of successful teams. But I think you have better odds of finding that real difference maker, which Orlando still needs in a desperate, desperate way. I, I think that they have a better chance of that at the sixth pick without knowing this draft well. 
yeah i i would do isaac for smith i would probably do the pick this year for well smith. here's the I'm question not, yeah. would you do isaac for smith as dallas i don't know i i wouldn't if i were them but that's me uh i, I think they they obviously the situation with smith to some degree has run its course they're now kumbaya again but you know that's likely window dressing to try and build up his value to ultimately get him out of there i'm glad they reconciled but it does seem like they have their issues with him internally he has their issues his issues with them and so isaac you know has never had any of those type of issues i do think he's a nice fit defensively as a four-man next to Doncic. Uh, can clean up some of those messes can switch so I, I like him in that regard. He's got to learn how to shoot, obviously. Doesn't really provide any kind of individual offense at this point in his career. So I, I probably wouldn't do it, but I would totally understand why they would. Maybe the Magic would have to throw a little bit more in there as well. But I mean, the Magic, they need a plan here. If it's not going to be Dennis Smith, they need some other kind of a plan to get a point guard. And if you're going to hold on to the cap hold of Vucevic, they are right at the cap again next year and and maybe they could stretch mozgov or try and move him but you know it is a verdant point guard market this year but maybe bountiful would have been the better adjective there but nonetheless i don't think they're gonna have the money to sign anybody who's even gonna be you know a competent starter at that position so i do think taking the chance to get smith i mean there there's at point guard you know maybe darius garland if he's healthy again not sure what to think of him he's kind of more of a scorer uh john moran's probably not going to be there i've actually only ever seen his name in print so sorry if i mispronounced that no it is jaw yeah like jaw rule excellent but it could be morant but it's probably morant anyway we're really getting into the weeds here we have a whole other division to do after this too uh so i mean to me i would try to go after smith if the price were reasonable either isaac or that first rounder again this is another one of these kind of challenge trades and you wonder the fact that he was away from the team and there's no real explanation and there's this talk that you know he doesn't have great influences uh, around him but i mean you got to take some risks to, to play here. i mean this team has no outs right now i mean you need you, you talked about the value of a star i mean you need chances at getting a star they don't have that right now and smith to me represents that more than anyone on the roster anything else on these guys uh do you want to do a player most likely to be traded i do i guess we didn't really talk about moving on from simmons and ross simmons has a million dollars guaranteed next year uh making six million this year 5.79 guarantee next year and then with that million dollar guarantee and then uh ross 10.5 million this year and expires so those those are guys who could help teams philly is maybe a, a thought there although the salary matching is difficult but they've been talked about maybe as a fultz destination uh i don't i don't know if again if they want to give up a first rounder for fultz no way they're where especially where you're talking about with this being you know six seven eight type of pick is where it's looking like it's going to end up so but the but that's another one i mean i think are they willing to take on bad money for next year i don't think they would be because again with that cap hold of vucevic you're right at the cap if you don't have if you take on a 15 million in bad money for next year you've already got mozgov who's completely dead money for next year at 16.7 so now you're gonna take on more money dead money for next year and you might not even be able to use the full mid-level i think i i don't see them being willing to do that so yeah i think you know you could see ross simmons getting bought out if the, especially if you know since the deadline there is march 1st they could be even further out of it at that point in time i could absolutely see ross getting moved he would actually be my most likely guy on the magic to get traded just because sure. he doesn't have a lot of the baggage that vooch does by being a really good player and ross could help a lot of teams you know wings even if they're imperfect can can have value and 
But the problem is with Ross, I don't think it's there's a reasonable path to get a first with him. So then no. Orlando just has to take. Well, it not and, without taking back the the bad money. And even if you did well, take back ten, you wouldn't be able to take back enough. Year. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah, you'd have to probably combine him. Yeah, and, and, and they, I don't think they really can. I mean, if they if they want to improve next year at all, which I you imagine is going to be the thought, especially if they resign Vooch. Now, if they don't resign Vooch, then they'll you know they're going to be back in the tank. But uh, but then they probably would want to keep the cap space and all that kind of stuff. So it's it, yeah yeah it it's not like the bottom of the East is looking so intimidating in the years to come by by any means so certainly if you're them and you want to just make it to the playoffs you'd say hey if we just could just upgrade at backup point guard or really starting point guard and make august in the backup you could be right in there next year so they're a team that i understand a little bit more of like we're always like ah you're not gonna get anyone in free agency take on the bad money but uh you know if they can get someone competent at the point uh i'm just not sure necessarily how they do that uh if they're gonna re-sign vooch they probably don't have enough money for that anyway so it's that brings me back to again the why the smith trade i think is actually now is he going to help them win next year eh, maybe but it, it, do, do more to help them than jerry and grant at least so i'm gonna pick ross as my most likely to be traded how about you yeah i think that's probably it um well let me see yeah i think it's ross he'll be he'll be more in demand all right let's do a little uh pacific division here where do you want to start in that division we'll start with the team that could be at the center of a lot of discussions whatever fruit it ends up producing the sacramento kings sacramento the only team with functional the only team with any cap space left they have a 11 million plus they theoretically have their full room mid-level which they could you know fill up their space and then use they don't have the roster spots for it but you know theoretically they can make trades where they cleared up roster spots they also have some guys they could buy out or cut so sacramento they have a lot of leverage here because they can make not only can they just take on a salary but they could also do an un, an imbalanced trade and also they have so much expiring salary of various levels of value and denomination that they could do so many things like they could maybe they want to take on a 20 million dollar salary and they include zebo or they include kufos or whatever they're going to do there and they could also make a separate move where they take on 2019 20 money with another expiring contract or something else like they they could do a lot here we don't know if they actually will yeah, their numbers for this offseason, Willie Cauley-Stein has a $14 million cap hold with him. He'll be a restricted free agent. $43.7 million. Without him, $56.9 million in space. So they got all kinds of room. And they could even get close to 60 if they wanted to move on from Yogi Ferrell and Frank Mason. The long, I think this is a, an opportunity. Number one, to just with that $11 million in cap space, try to pick up an asset. We talked about maybe if there was a trade to be made with Washington. If Washington just wants to get off of Auto Porter, they could provide that and send back little enough salary to get Washington out of the tax. You know, this is certainly a team that could get any number of teams out of the tax if they wanted to just straight up go that route. Whether, you know, getting two seconds would be enough to do that. I think that they'll probably look at, at some other conceptions as well here. I think this is an opportunity with this cap space and the fact that they really, you know, are probably not going to be able to get good value this off season with their space to take on someone who might be able to help them. And I think the big needs that they have if they see Bagley as a four, which I think they do, to get a center who's a little bit more dynamic than Cauley Stein, or I think their bigger need, of course, is just someone who can guard at the three or maybe even a, a longer-term stretch four. And if you're going to play Bagley at the five, you could have 48 minutes of stretch four with Bielitsa and then this other guy they're going to bring in. Harrison Barnes has been rumored to, to be a target there. 
that's one that maybe strikes me as more of a summer thing if dallas thinks that they can do better with their space than barnes to just take barnes in during the summer might be something that they might be willing to do and just see him as a value on a one-year 25 million dollar deal that's a, a thought certainly um I just wonder what, you know, everyone kind of thinks of Barnes at this point. I mean, he's negative value at a $25 million deal, but it's only one year and, you know, might still be a better deal than someone else that you're going to have to outbid everyone else for in the free agent market. So uh, remains to be seen what kind of contracts can be handed out this year to be sure. But I think, uh, you know, that's a really interesting one to me. And maybe, maybe they would have interest in him uh, right now. A lot depends also on kind of whether they realistically stay in the playoff push or not. I know the odds don't like it, but they're still kind of around 500. Like it seems like they're in it, which is, you know, more than could be said in past years. The other thing that I like about Barnes and theoretically Otto Porter here, though Porter is a little bit of a worse fit for me defensively with this role, is the idea of a guy who starts at the three and closes at the four. Yeah. If Jaeger's not comfortable with Bielitsa there and they have a lot of options to go small, they've healed and Bogdanovich among them. Like they could, they could play those guys along with De'Aaron Fox. And so Harrison Barnes, I think fits pretty beautifully in that role. And we've talked many times on this show about how hard it is to find capable forwards. So the price, the asset price that they can get with this pick is, is a massive consideration here. And that's a piece of information we will never probably have, but using their resources to get a potential answer at the three, especially because Sacramento does not have their own first round pick this year. And the threes that are going to be on the market are going to be so in or fours that are, are going to be so in demand that Sacramento is going to have to brutally overpay them if they even would come in that circumstance as encouraging and enticing as the Kings are, you know, they are still a small market team. So I would seriously consider that, you know, if, if you can go in the right direction. And the other thing that I like about Barnes in particular, instead of Porter is that if it doesn't work, you wash away the commitment one year and then you can look for a different type of player you can use your you can use the cap space that they will have in 2020 there are a lot of different options there whereas porter if it doesn't work you probably have him for two years anyway yeah that, that's a good thought as well whether barnes or porter is the superior player is, is an interesting question i mean this is a team that could use some more creators offensively so maybe they'd be more interested in barnes barnes is probably better as a you know how crazy this is this point in time. theoretically sacramento could trade for both of those guys like they have the <laughs> capability of doing that like that's how flexible sacramento is compared to everybody else because they have all these expiring contracts so they're not going to do it I mean, but it's that like the the universe of possibilities for Sacramento is crazy. And it's that makes it a little bit frustrating that we're probably not going to get close to that. Yeah. Now, they were a loser a couple of years ago when they didn't use their room, you know, with that 11 million, I think, taking on contracts to help teams get out of the tax. I mean, Washington, Toronto, Portland, although Portland doesn't really have like you you probably would want to just take on expiring contracts here. So it's a little harder for like a Miami, you know, Ellington's really their only major expiring contract, you know, but Washington has uh, not really much either. I guess they moved on from Jason Smith. He was their main one as well. Um, OKC obviously is going to be trying uh, to cut the tax bill. If Golden State weren't a believer in Sean Livingston anymore, who has two million guaranteed next year, like they could maybe send him to Sacramento to reduce the tax bill, and, and maybe even enough that like Sacramento would be interested in Livingston as a backup point guard instead of Farrell. But I, I don't see. I think Golden State values him too much. That would be negative politics for them in the locker room. You, know, you could see them maybe just taking on a few extra guys from a from an OKC. Alex Sabrinas would be the obvious one there. 
uh, makes $5.5 million. So, you know, there could be a couple of these where they take on a couple of $5 million salaries to really reduce the tax bill, but that's that's going to net you some seconds and these, you know, th- that's not that sexy. I mean, I, I, I hope that they can come up with something a little bit more creative than that to figure out a way to take on some salary, even if it's not the absolute greatest to get something at center or at, at forward that could be a part of this team at least the next couple of years that would still be a better value than what they might get in free agency anybody else come to mind to you around the league that that could be available there who's under contract past this year not particularly i mean yeah you have this barnes thing. and porter are really kind of the only ones to me that are like man these guys are really overpaying you could see their teams wanting to move on from them but you know they still could just help sacramento on their own i mean so yeah sorry i interrupted you but well i, I was I, gonna say to find that if that the mix. clippers if the clippers felt a little differently about gallinari like or were just crazy optimistic about their space but gallinari you know yeah, other than being that's hurt more right of now, a summer move again and, right, and right, right. gallo has positive value because I mean, really oh, absolutely. they don't they don't want to oh, give yeah. up any first round picks i mean and then when you look at what their assets are outside of that okay you've got seconds that's not too sexy and you know you've got guys like you know scal or harry giles or justin jackson you know i don't probably not needle movers there i mean i think there's no way that fox healed i would actually consider moving collie sign if there's a team that really liked him and wanted sure. to resign restricted free agency i don't think he's like he, he's a good transition guy but you know, he's a totally replaceable center. If I could get something at forward and include him in a deal, I would do that in a second. Or, or just make him a sweetener in a deal where you get something better in return. Like, I and he'll, I, sorry, and Colley Stein, I like him, but his margin above replacement, even though his specific fit among guys there is is pretty good. But also, like, I think Sacramento needs to make jumps on both ends of the floor, and so I, they can aim higher than him. Also, if Bagley's a five, then that creates problems long term if you're going right. to pay him. So there are a bunch of different things there. I would, yeah, I would. But- Paying him doesn't doesn't sound great. I mean, you know, you can play the restricted free agent sure. dance with, with Cauley Sign, uh, but I do think he's more valuable to another team that could use his perimeter ability a little more. I mean, this team is so small in the perimeter that they're not going to switch much, whereas another team, you know, he could be pretty valuable to them in that role. Um, but yeah, it's an exciting time for the Kings. I, I really, I really want to see what they come up with. I hope it can be something. And, and you know, it wouldn't be. It's not the end of the world if all they get is some second round picks for taking on money. Um, you know, they could also do any of the moves for like the really sour 16s also, you know, whether it's a, a Myers Leonard or whether it's Mahin Me or Biombo or Mozgov or any of those guys. I mean, they certainly could take those guys in, send back their salary minus 11 million dollars to the team help them save money this year and then also you know hopefully pick up a first for their trouble well they could also vlade could make the bet that the return on dumping those guys is actually going to drop because of how many teams are going to have cap space in the summer and he could trade let's say like zebo for Mahinmi. And so in oh, that yeah. case, you're not getting, so they could use their space in a separate deal and then do that on top of it sure. and get probably a worse asset because you're not saving that team as much money for this season. But I think there's, I've said this before, but it's important to reiterate. I think somebody's valuing the, the like getting the math wrong on how much a pick is going to be worth. And I don't know who it is yet, but I think, I think that a team could make a, could, could do a good move striking. Now I supported generally what Cleveland did and maybe they, Sacramento could be a team because they can do that without really giving up anything for this league year that could that could make kind of two moves at once and solve that problem too 
Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just to go through it, these expiring contracts: Shumpert, Randolph, both make eleven million. Kufos, eight point seven. Ben McLemore, yes, he's on the Kings, five point five. Yeah, that's a lot of scratch that they could put together uh, to take back salary should they so desire. The Kings have a lot of extra space under the salary cap, but if you need a little extra space under your own salary cap and you're stuck with high interest credit card debt that you're making minimum payments on and might leave you paying off your credit card debt for decades, give Lending Club a a shot with them. You can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, they've helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed rate personal loans. Don't have to go to a bank. You don't have to pay a high interest credit card rate. Go to LendingClub.com, tell them how much you want to borrow, pick the terms that are right for you, and if you're approved, your loan will be deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. So go to LendingClub.com slash Capspace, check your rate in minutes, and you can borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash Capspace. Let them know with that slash Capspace URL that you came from us. All loans made by WebBank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. All right, so the Kings, pretty exciting, but let's turn now to the LA Clippers. They've got $4.1 million below the tax, but probably nothing they are going to do at this point in time that's going to get them close enough, and they would be in the repeater tax. They clearly are not going to pay the tax this year, and they this would again be a second year out of the tax, so that would reset the clock on the repeater tax because the, the way to do it is once you've been out of the tax for two straight years, then you've reset the clock on the repeater tax. They do have some trade exceptions, $2.8 million from that Sam Decker salary dump. And they do have their BAE available for the buyout market. That's about $3.3 million, although it's reducing a little bit. So it's probably down a little bit below $3 million by the time we get to the trade deadline. What jumps out to you uh, about these guys' situation as we near the trade deadline? If they were interested, and I don't suspect that they will be, the Clippers are one of the more compelling sellers, even if they put a a restriction on, which would be justified with their aspirations of saying, we're not taking on any multi-year salary. They could theoretically move Patrick Beverly. They could move Mike Scott. They could move, well, Gortat, it's, you know, he's not worth the salary he's getting. Tay Dosich is fascinating. Boban. Lou Williams is under contract for next year, but they could, you know, they could theoretically move him if they wanted to. So the Clippers could do that. And they face a different set of incentives. And why I don't think they're going to be super active is because of how their front office is going to approach those incentives. Because while the Clippers are looking to be a cap space team, they appear to be operating on the logic that having a good showing this year, even if it's with players that the free agents will not play with for the most part, that it's just better for them to to push for the playoffs and to be in it and there is, you know, there is a theory of the case that totally works for that. I personally disagree with it, but there is a theory for it. And that's why they're 28 and 22. They have a, a decent shot of making the playoffs being the probably the seven or eight seed in a loaded Western conference. So the, if they prefer that to, you know, maybe a couple extra second round picks, then they're probably just going to hold firm. Yeah, there's six games over 500 right now, 54% chance of making the playoffs. They're projected for the eighth seed right now, two games ahead of the Lakers and the Pels, although those teams uh, may start playing a lot better. But they're looking decent for the eighth seed. We'll see how the Lakers do with LeBron out here for a little bit longer still. And so I, I would encourage them to continue to go for it. I don't think anything could possibly happen between now and February 7th 
I mean, we've got less than two weeks at this point that's going to turn them into that seller mindset. Well, and then the other big problem there is that the guys that they could theoretically sell aren't getting such a crazy, you're not going to get crazy offers for those guys. Like no. Patrick Beverly, sure, he could help a lot of teams and he only makes $5 million, So there are many trades that would be possible there, even without taking on future money. But nobody's going, oh my God, Patrick Beverly, we need to give a first round pick for him because he can help us make the playoffs. Same sort of thing with Boban. And maybe it's a different conversation with Lou Will, but he also makes $8 million, and that's a salary that the Clippers could still keep on in a lot of their different hypotheticals. The only guy that I think would produce a real, like a more significant return would be Tobias Harris but they're not going to trade Tobias Harris because they want to keep Tobias Harris. It's insane to me that Teodosic is still on this team when you consider that the Suns and the Magic, for example, had like such a need for him. Now the Suns obviously are completely out of it, but you know something like John Simmons for Teodosic might be an interesting one where I think Simmons could provide them a little something in terms of defense on the wing. He probably would be their best wing defender, either he or, or Ty Wallace and whether T- Wallace or Simmons is a better player is interesting. Simmons is shooting just god awful from three point range this year. But, you know, I think he, he could at least potentially be in the rotation, something that you could throw on a wing player who's got some experience guarding guys in the playoffs, you know, James Harden, for example. So that's one type of trade that I could see. I mean, I think if I had to pick one guy on this team most likely to be traded, I think you're looking at, at Teodosic. They also do have Luke and Bamute, but, you know, he, he might as well be on Jupiter at this point. Like, or maybe even like Ganymede, maybe more remote than that. Sorry, I've been uh, watching The Expanse lately. So outside of Teo, yeah, again, the, with them having these cap space aspirations, they can't take on any money past this year. What Do you see any other realistic goals? What if they're trying to get better? Is there any way for them to do that? Well, their their draft picks are impacted because the Clippers owe that lottery protected first to the Boston Celtics in 19 or in 20. So to not violate the Stepien rule, it's going to be a while. They have some seconds. You know, they have Portland's 2019 and, and a few of their own. And they do have that Decker trade exception. To me, the most likely way for the Clippers to get better would actually probably be on the buyout market that they could just give somebody through the BAE, even the prorated version. They could just give somebody more than some other teams can offer. And that could help. But when their players are healthy, the Clippers are a deep team. So they don't have as much of a need for those kinds of additions. And since they're probably, I mean, almost definitely not going to take on long-term money, upgrading is pretty tough for them. Yeah, Gallo is injured again. He's got this back issue. They really have very little behind he and Harris. So so someone else who can play at that position again and Bob Mute getting healthy might help them to some degree. Mike Scott has you know been a ten minute game guy for them mostly. Yeah, I just don't see much happening here, to be honest with you, because you, like you mentioned, they're deep. So their playoff push, you know, maybe a center that you like better than Gortat and Boban, you know, who can actually get a defensive rebound, but can also move, you know, because Harold really struggles on the defensive glass. But he's still, I don't see you're going to get someone who's a better player than Harold overall. Maybe you'd, they'd be willing to throw in a second to try and get better. But I just don't really see them in that mindset. I think they're very happy with this team. They, they're plucky. They're competitive they're gonna ride this out and then see what happens in the summer seems to be the plan so you know Teodosic to me is the only guy that I could see potentially getting moved and maybe you know he ends up with the magic and although it's been said that he wants to go back to Europe you could also see Teo just getting bought out and going to sign with some European team too um but maybe they feel like they need him in case Beverly gets hurt or Gilgis Alexander gets hurt or something 
we could move on to their I was going to say their co-tenants, but I think the Clippers are obviously the 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 co the subtenants of the Staples Center to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are over the cap but well under the tax, so from that perspective, they can do they they have a lot of wiggle room. Unfortunately, they don't have many ways to use it because they have other than having a little less than a million left from the room exception, they don't have any trade exceptions because of how they built this team over the, you know, using cap space last summer. The Lakers do have all their own picks except for their 2019 second. They don't have any extra picks from anyone. So I would describe their goal as improving for this season without sacrificing 2019, July 2019 flexibility. And I mean, to me, the hard thing about the Lakers, I mean, because of that uncertainty in the summer, it's hard for them to do much because like, for example, people have thrown out, oh, they could trade for Anthony Davis. Well, most of the trades conceptions involving Anthony Davis significantly reduce the Lakers spending flexibility next summer. So you're basically choosing Anthony Davis instead of a, a high level free agent addition instead of if you wait and maybe you don't get him all those other things oh i i also don't think they have a good a good package overall to offer the pelicans but that's a whole separate kettle of fish but doing that has a real real sacrifice for them so it could happen but it would surprise me yeah a couple of news items here quickly uh scott kushner out of new orleans the advocate says sources familiar with the situation believe the pelicans are still motivated to do whatever is necessary to maintain even the most remote likelihood that anthony davis recommits uh that was in the midst of a column saying hey it's time to actually move on because we're not going to make the playoffs this year and if we do we're gonna get killed in the first round also worth noting here quickly for the lakers windhorse and jackie mcmullen saying on the hoop collective podcast at the end of last week that lebron's people would probably prefer that the lakers move on from luke walton uh, jackie posited that and windhorse agreed so that's interesting. There's also been talked that Madge Johnson and Rob Pelinka not particularly enamored with Luke Walton, Jeannie Buss more so. So we'll see what ends up happening there. I mean, I think, again, Luke's rotations could be a little mystifying at times. But overall, to have this team, I think, number seven in defense as of a couple of days ago is incredible. And, you know, I think he's done a good job. And I, I also don't think there are, like, incredibly sexy coaches available that would be some massive upgrade on him. And not letting him finish the season as well. I mean, you have Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw doesn't have like some great record either. So I, I think uh, I don't, hopefully Luke's not going to go anywhere at least this year. And we'll see how the year ends up uh, as far as where they're going to retain it. But I think he's done a good job. I, I like him as as a coach. Um, back to talking about these guys at the trade deadline. I think we talk about just what they need, you know, like what might might be realistic for them to go get. I mean, they do have pretty much everything in terms of their own picks, except that 2019 second. They don't have any extra picks, but I mean, they, they have some small assets here. They do. And theoretically, they could make some things try try to make some things happen with some of their you know all these expiring contracts they actually have some facility because other than kcp none of those guys have have implicit no trade clauses that you know maybe if if other players that were better fits were interested they could make those moves but generally that is seen as a bad look considering those players signed so recently but yeah it's a possibility and you know maybe some of them are you know like kcp may for whatever reason maybe he would be interested in being somewhere else i don't really expect that from the clutch sports client but maybe well i mean it's been said at one point that he wanted to be moved but that was when he wasn't playing well early in the season right had had some tendonitis i mean the thought was he could go somewhere else and play more and build up his value for next year but and there was talk he could get traded for Trevor Reza, but I mean, he's right in line with where he's supposed to be. I mean, 57% true shooting, 
three pointer hasn't been amazing 34 percent, but enough that he's actually a threat out there he gets out in transition i think his defense has been pretty solid he's one of their better defenders on the wing so i don't know who they're going to get that's going to help him more than them or more than him even if he does approve a trade and if the player that they get would help them more than kcp why would the team trade for kcp and give up that player so uh, unless the lakers are willing to throw in an additional asset and who is who is this expiring contract that's going to fit them better than kcp that's also a place that kcp is going to want to go because he has to approve the trade seems nearly impossible uh that he would get moved yeah i would say the most likely way that the lakers make waves would be on the buyout market but they have 15 guaranteed contracts and they don't have any obvious cut guys to me and this is actually something i expressed about the tyson chandler signing when it was when it was made is the idea that he's a far better fit for the and he's been better than i anticipated to be to be damn sure but he's a far better fit as a regular season player than a playoff guy and so I could imagine a circumstance where Magic and Polenka have a better option, you know, especially if it's like a forward type guy that could theoretically be available. They're like, hey, Tyson Chandler's helping us win. He's been a part of it. So we might as well keep him around. Yeah. Although worth noting, I mean, they're not going to cut him. Eh, Maybe they would, but I don't think so. I mean, he's... I don't think he played tonight, and I, I didn't hear anything about an injury. I think with oh, the I, I think there, Zubach. I think there is something. Oh yeah, yeah. It was DNP rest. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, with the emergence of Zubac, oh, but he only played eight minutes the day before, so maybe it's DNP polite yeah. rest. I mean, he was getting the he was getting the Keith Bogans anyway. Zubac has been playing so well; he's been better than him, frankly. And you know, whether him or Javale is going to get the backup minutes, then you know, you could see them still go with some centerless units as well. So maybe Chandler could end up uh, being expendable, but yeah, maybe Mike Beasley could, could be expendable once they're back at full health. He really wasn't playing before that. Lance Stevenson maybe you could see just getting traded somewhere uh but you know i, I guess there's no real point in that because they, they don't need to save any money see mikhailiuk uh, isaac bonger guys they drafted in the second round this year that they like you would think so uh, i don't think either of them is going to go for carmelo and, and i mean i still think beasley is better than carmelo and is the same exact same type of player at this point so why not just hold on to beasley Beasley actually blocked a shot today, which, uh, you know, we haven't seen from Carmelo in uh, quite some time. Do you agree with me that it's exceedingly unlikely that the Lakers make a move involving their, you know, their more, their young core, like Lonzo, Ingram? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not the right time. Well, and especially with Lonzo being hurt now, too, that's that even makes it more unlikely. You know, if he were, play, I mean, it started playing a little bit better before that injury. And but I mean, he's had now basically two seasons totally ruined by injury at this point. So, I mean, who knows where his value is? I mean, if they, if you if you want to just move Lonzo, I mean, what are you going to get like a pick in the 20s, especially considering how much money he makes? I mean, that's probably where his value is at this point in time. I, I mean, I still think it, there's a player in there somewhere, I hope, but he makes 8.7 million next year and 11 million the year after that. So is he I mean, he's probably negative value at those salaries. You still have a chance to develop him, but. Yeah, so I I don't see when we talk about the young core that's Ingram, that's Ball, that's Hart, and, and that's Kuzma. So yeah, I, I don't see any of those guys being moved. I mean, I think may, maybe there's a team that might like Hart enough. I mean, this is another one of those challenge trades where you know if they're just not that high on Hart at this point in time, and they get back and everyone's healthy, where you might say, hey, we'll give you a first round pick for Josh Hart that'll open up a little more space for you maybe uh you know maybe he's uh, that first round is worth more in trade than Hart is maybe you could see them doing that but I I those kind of trades never happen so so I shouldn't say maybe you could see them doing that I I could see that in my own uh whimsical brain as something that could be interesting but it's not gonna happen 
I will just express briefly that I have a greater confidence than you do that Lonzo can be a positive value player, especially if it were on a different team. But anyway, that's it's not really an important point because they yeah. can't really well, move. Well, him when you anyway. consider he also misses half every year to injury. Yeah, that doesn't help. But uh, and, I just, and he well, I just have wanted superstar to have that there. upside. But yeah, if, no, if no, that's send, that's fair. I, if you're going to send if you're going to send hate mail, send it to Nate, not to me. <laughs> um. No, I, I mean, I, and I, I believe it's possible he could be a valuable player, but I think, you know, he's going to be the modern day Ricky Rubio is kind of like what I think he's going to end up being um, better defensively and worse pick and roll skills and maybe a little better shooter. We can hope. Although Ricky Rubio does actually get to the foul line and shoots 80% there, which Lonzo uh, does not. Phoenix Suns, they were a cap space team this year. They got all kinds of room under the tax, but it seems very unlikely that they want to take on money past this year. I've been critical of that now if they were to stretch ryan anderson who reduced his guarantee from 21 million to 15 million this year even with kelly Oubre's cap hold and a, a likely high first round pick they could approach 20 million in space so if they really wanted to go balls to the wall remember of course that they gave up a bunch of space punted on about 18 million in space by giving booker the extension when they did instead of waiting because now he had a 9.9 million dollar cap hold that bumps up to 27 million estimated to start the year but again that's that spilled milk doesn't really seem like it's going to be too active of a deadline they don't have just cap space sitting around they don't really have any vets i think that teams would be interested in at this point in time i mean i could see their most significant move be simply buying out ryan anderson and hoping to get some money off for next year and then stretching him at the point they buy him out i i wouldn't do that um and they don't have to until they see whether they can get anyone in free agency in the summer but maybe i mean that, i really don't see much happening with these guys at all do you feel differently i feel the same it seems like their big moves have already happened and a, and a significant reason why is because they had the capacity to take on multi-season salary but they chose to give all that away so they had yeah they Darrell Arthur. bought out rivers they had example, arthur yeah. they had chandler they had rivers all of those guys you know could have at various moments in time been used to take on that money and something that frustrates me about the suns here i'll only say this briefly is that if they keep if they cut anderson but don't stretch him because then that would throw money onto future seasons when they could have other obligations they have about 20 million in space not counting their draft pick and their draft pick is going to cost a lot of money because it's going to be a good pick so the difference between let's call it 12 to 14 million in space and the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is going to be about the real GM yeah. estimate is 9.2 million. That difference is pretty small. Like it, it, I don't think there are yeah. many players who are choosing a $12 million deal over 9.2 million. I mean, the situation's being equal and that would have given them the ability to take on assets. I mean, theoretically, if they'd used it for Chandler Rivers, they could have taken on some real money here and they don't have that capacity anymore. And yeah, I understand ownership is the greatest competitive advantage in the NBA. Robert Sarver doesn't want to spend more money than he has to. That would have been a way to counteract some of the flexibility loss from signing Devin Booker to the, to the extension they did when they did. But they are not going to do that anymore. So it's built milk. But I wanted to mention it just because the the it would have been other than the salary they paid those players, it would have been a, a, a basically a zero loss in flexibility for the team. They wouldn't have even been close to the cap in all likelihood. Tax. Yeah. Uh, agreed there. I think maybe what you could see is they might listen on Josh Jackson or TJ Warren. Warren has had a really nice year, but he's going to sit for two to three weeks, probably through the all-star break due to persistent right ankle soreness. And Jackson obviously has been a disappointment in his career, but maybe if you wanted to be proactive, 
you could try to move him to a team that feels like they could do a better job of developing him than the Suns. But again, those sorts of trades very rarely happen. Don't think we would see something like that. Yeah, their largest expiring contract now is Dragon Bender at four point seven million. So I, I really maybe Troy Daniels is someone who might have value to a team at three point three million. Just a, who needs a, another shooter off off the bench? You know, a team like the Celtics, maybe, although they have their own tax issues as well and don't have a ton of salary to send back either you know might be interested in daniels but he seems like much more likely to be a buyout type of guy uh you could see jamal crawford maybe getting bought out from these guys as well also worth noting for them d'anthony melton is going to be out for a couple of weeks through the all-star break with his own ankle injury so they're really really thin i mean that game between them and the lakers they had like just a ton of guys out on either side it was a pretty rough watch i don't have anything else on these guys do you Nope, we can move on to the well, final well, team. Well, so I guess we didn't. Did we do most likely to be traded on the Lakers? I guess we didn't, mm, huh? No, I'm going to go Beasley. Oh, I guess KCP just because people have been talking about it, even though I don't see a feasible path there. And then for Phoenix, oof. Josh Jackson. <sighs> yeah. No one wants No one wants Bender, I, I would imagine. No, it, it seems unlikely. I mean, you could just, yeah, I, I no one's going to give up anything for a minute. And I think, like, does anybody even want to give up a first rounder for Josh Jackson? I don't think so at this point. To be, you know, making $7 million next year, $9 million the year after that, although there's obviously a team option there. And then for the Suns, I mean, it's, you know, losing losing face that way by having to trade the guy. Although, again, that was the previous regime, so maybe there's a little bit more of a willingness. But, I mean, J- Jackson, his value probably can only go up because he's just going to play a shitload the rest of the year now, it seems like with all these guys out and they'll be moving into tank mode soon so he'll get all he can eat you know booker you could see him getting shut down or getting a lot of rest at some point as well all right let's finish this up here golden state warriors this will be short the warriors are 21 million over the tax my estimate is that they would pay about a 50 million tax payment they are not in the repeater tax it's just that when you get that far in the 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 per dollar the per dollar amount really ratchets up they have no available exceptions because they use the taxpayer mid-level on demarcus cousins they have all their own picks other than their 2022nd and the warriors i mean especially considering the 14 guys that they have on roster right now are all you know they all kind of have a place in in this picture whether you know in, in the case of like damian jones and jacob evans it's more of a future theoretical place so it's hard to imagine them really doing anything because they're not going to sell now on like let's say sean levy said you brought that up earlier yeah i think the only move i'd consider making if i were them and it's just it's so anti kumbaya occur but i think especially with him suffering the second pectoral injury and missing another year of development would be damian jones he's making the minimum this year but goes up to 2.3 million next year and that's actually is guaranteed so maybe if they you know obviously their second rounder is going to be number 57 or something this year might they might end up having the best record in the nba by the time it's all said and done even you never know but i think just you could see them trying to get off of damian jones i mean they do have the full 5.243 million in cash to send although they typically like to save that for the draft to see if they can buy a second rounder although no one would sell them one last year at least not for a what they thought was a reasonable price but yeah i I could see you know maybe their second rounder and cash to move jones it'd be the most logical move that we'd see but really i mean now with cousins in the fold there is talk of the buyout market and robin lopez as, as additional insurance for him but they really don't need much at this point in time do they not in their playoff rotation there wouldn't really be i i think adding another 
depth player at the two through four would be just useful to have, especially if that player you could get like a non-guaranteed second year using the minimum, like something like that. But again, that's not really through a trade or anything like that. I wonder if they would be willing to try to make a move on Jordan Bell. I guess with Looney, a potential free agent, and they at least have him as a restricted free agent, Bell, they might think they need to keep him around for next year. Obviously, Bell has fallen out of the rotation. That's uh, been a disappointment. If I were another team, I might try and poach him. I still think he would be pretty good. As a well, small and Jordan Bell's center. Jordan Bell's restricted rights are very valuable because right. a he's arenas limited and b he's exactly the type of player that could get underrated in the market where nobody really loves him and so then he keeps sliding around a little bit and then you don't get that nasty offer sheet coming and so then hey you can get him on a reasonable deal for a year or two and remember if he signs a one year contract then he's restricted again in 2020 sure. so yeah I would I would definitely strike on that if the yeah. offer presents he's got itself. a small cap hold if I were like Philly. Uh, although they've they've gotten actually Dallas they've gotten predict or uh they've gotten similar production from Jonah Bolden yeah Dallas is an interesting one too I mean they would have a lot of restricted free agents but yeah he's got the small cap hold next year if you're a team that's trying to use cap space I think a team that's actually you know pretty decent and needs that option as a switch five but I don't know what the price is there obviously not a first rounder that's too much but you know if there's a team that has a pretty decent second which I think Philly has some pretty decent seconds but again this is would be another sort of challenge trade that rarely seems to happen you know uh, it's, well, uh, and it, yeah go ahead it's also worth noting that the warriors have had young centers out completely out of the rotation and then have them pop back in kevon looney is the most obvious example here because of need or something else so maybe even if jordan bell has made it out it's not some sort of engineered plan to lower his free agent value and anything like that it could just be that supply will necessitate or you know just the but necessity will be the mother of invention here and he will end up playing more next year that's entirely possible yeah i mean so he's going to go into the the patrick mccaw situation and you know he had this argument with steve kerr kerr actually took some responsibility for it but it's still it's never a good look there to get into an argument with your coach at the end of a blowout when you're you're playing and your team is winning but i think having him and trying to just give him a low ball offer of like one year guaranteed and a second year non-guaranteed you know you could see that which same thing as they did with McCaw you could see them going in there and he could have value for them if you can get a contributor at that type of price who's experienced in the team system then they'd probably want to do that yeah I don't see much else happening with with these guys I've always felt like they could have stood to be more aggressive in this era of maybe giving up their first round pick to get guys who could help. You could also even see them like dumping Jacob Evans. Maybe you could see them doing that just to save a on tax stuff. Again, that would be a massive embarrassment, but Evans doesn't look like he can shoot well enough and, and hasn't even shown that much of an impact defensively in the very limited minutes that he's had. So you could see them maybe just trying to get off of his money for next year as well, nine or 1.9 million as they prepare but also worth noting too that if kd leaves then these tax concerns become a lot more muted and so maybe you don't want to jump the gun there either to give up assets to get off of money for next year most likely got to be traded i'll go jones just because it kind of makes the most sense but they're not going to do much no doesn't seem very likely all right this was a great primer. We still got to do the Northwest Division at some point. We did not make that before the mock trade deadline, so we'll do that afterwards. But uh, it'll be interesting to do one of these after the mock trade deadline is over to kind of have that perspective. So check that out. That should be dropping, I'm hoping, tomorrow night. We will talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.